everyone. You are listening to A Word Fitly Spoken. I'm Willie Grills here with Zoe and Heidi. We're going to talk about Christmas, Puritans, and feasting, and masses, and things that will make the Puritans not happy, and things that maybe will make the Lutherans unhappy, and we'll just have a, we're going to have a good time with our Christmas special. Zoe, how are you? I'm doing great, Willie. Things are rather cold up here in the north. Uh, we have a cold front which is moving through and it's made the even daily temperatures to be well below zero. I think yesterday, if I remember correctly, it was something like 17 below even during the day. I guess that means my heart is strangely warmed. <laughs> well, it is. Um, we are experiencing cold weather. Let me Let me check the temperature really quick. It is 36 degrees here as of the recording of this video or of this uh, of this audio. So cold for Arkansas. Supposed to get colder, though. Yeah, I mean, I suppose it's probably the same front that we're dealing with right now. I mean, I just checked my my weather recording and it says it's currently about 13 below. So and a wind chill warning on top of it. And he is Is sitting here in a (laughs) T-shirt outside. (laughs) Right. He only he only records from his igloo. It's got a good Wi-Fi. Are you get Are you getting ready for all your Christmas observances and celebrations? Yeah, we got it going. Uh, you know, it'll be kind of standard. It's good this year. You know, Christmas Eve on a Saturday, Christmas Day on a Sunday. <laughs> so even the Puritans would have gone to church. But <laughs> yeah, it'll be it'll be a good one. It is funny, you know, and you hear a lot of this and it gets ugly where people are like, oh, how dare churches cancel church on Christmas. And that is, it's awful. It's awful. They uh, they uh, they shouldn't do that. But we should also be encouraging people as much as we can to just get in the doors on Christmas Day, if it's on a Sunday or not. Right, right. Because I do think it's bad when churches don't meet because my point is, you know, people get all, oh, we need to remember the reason for the season. Well, how do you remember the reason for the season, you know, Jesus, without coming to his house and worshiping him? Indeed. Do you know of any Lutheran churches that are canceling for Christmas? Not off the top of my head, but wouldn't they cease to be Lutheran? Yeah, well, yes. <laughs> but I know what you mean. Um, too expensive <laughs> to change the sign. But yeah, uh, no, I've, I've actually not heard. And I want to say... It certainly seems to me that although you hear more and more churches canceling Christmas Day services, I still think they're in the minority, probably. I think so, too. Well, but there's also a fair number of churches that just won't have a Christmas Day service. I mean, this year, obviously, it's different because it's Sunday, but there's plenty of churches out there that just don't have a Christmas Day service. Right. I know growing up, I never had. we never had one, or if we did, we never went to it. Uh, but I'm pretty sure there just wasn't one offered. There was a Christmas Eve service, and a lot of people will come out for Christmas Eve services. But um, yeah, I just I just don't know how many churches actually do celebrate a Christmas Day service, like if it wasn't Sunday. Yeah, I mean, historic liturgical ones, you would think would. But, you know, I would argue, and we'll get into some more specifics of this later. Like, so you're, you're growing up in an ALC, or excuse me, ELCA church, right? Right. And yeah, so- I was baptized ALC, but by the time I was aware right. of anything, that's, it was ALC. Exactly, so. exactly. So I'm going to say that that's the American, by way of the Puritans' influence, where, well, you know, we can't we can't really enforce Holy Day observances, so here we go. And, and, and that's the thing. You can't force somebody to do it, but yet that you should probably still be observing that Holy Day. Right, right. It should be something that more churches should be doing in general, including Thanksgiving Day services, for that matter. But that's neither here nor there. That's that, we already did that episode. <laughs> it all kind of blends together, right? Right. <laughs> so, what do we want to talk about to kind of open up this subject? Then, when we're talking about Christmas Day, I mean, do we want to jump into the Puritans right away? Then, or well, we might as well. Let's let's talk about the Puritans a little bit. Okay. Uh, the Puritans, as our listeners will know, perhaps, perhaps not, um, English Christians who wanted to completely purge any vestiges of popery from the Church of England were very reformed-minded in their theology and practice. So they believe that, essentially, 
what God does not prescribe in worship is forbidden to be brought into worship. Right. And so they sought to get every holy day essentially out of the church calendar and out of the secular calendar because there's, you know, it's all one calendar in those days. So basically for them, there are 52 holy days a year, and that's Sunday, and that's when you gather to worship. And they especially disliked Christmas for two big reasons. One, the often forgotten one is all of the partying and the dissipation that was associated with it. Uh, you have to understand that uh, when you know when the Puritans are coming about, uh, they come up at a time where you got days off for church holidays, and so right. that meant it was a day to feast, a day to drink. You know, they're not they're probably, frankly, not everybody's not celebrating the birth of Jesus, but it is an excuse to get drunk and give in to those sorts of vices and things like that. So the Puritans didn't like that, and we shouldn't approve of that either. Uh, but they also didn't like the mass part of it either. Right. Because they, they don't believe in a mass. Right. Unlike the Augsburg Confession, which retains the mass, which is important. Um, right. So they, they, they especially see it as a popish thing to celebrate the Christ mass. So they don't like it for those two big reasons. And it's going to become uh, very difficult in England because at first in the like the 1640s, early 1640s, they're going to be like, well, okay, you can celebrate Christmas, but privately in your homes through prayer. And then just a few short years later, when they come to power, they start jailing people for celebrating it. And, it, and it's actually codified in the law that you can't, can't do it. That would come all the way over into America where the Massachusetts Bay Colony in the 1650s, you could be, um, you should, you'd pay a fine of five shillings for every offense. That, like if you, if you were caught observing Christmas or any other day like it. And this is, this is what was illegal, Zoan. So you couldn't feast, you couldn't celebrate in that way, and you could not not work. So they considered that for <laughs> their words, forbearing of labor on the holy day was considered in violation of it. So basically, you had to work on Christmas or you would be fined. Well, but, okay, before we get all, get going on the Puritans or whatever, let's, I mean, we need to stop and consider, I mean, what exactly is motivating them to do this? So they're concerned with, you know, on the one hand, like you said, the dissipation, the drunkenness, the general rowdiness that went with Christmas. And I think that's something that we often forget because that's not something that is as often associated with Christmas these days. I mean, we tend to think of Christmas as this purely very wholesome kind of thing, like we're getting together with family, we're getting together, you know, to open presents and something like that. And we think that anyone who would be against that kind of thing is just, you know, what do you hate, fun? What do you hate, family? That sort of thing. And I think that's why our animosity towards the Puritans and the, how they're approaching Christmas often comes up, because we have a very different conception of what Christmas is than they did. You think that's fair? Yeah, I think that's fair. But you could also argue that some of the same problems, you know, come up today as far as the partying and stuff like that. Really, you know, it's a similar problem today because Christmas, although the the celebration isn't forbidden, it has become very secularized. Extremely. Yeah. Yes. So, so the Puritans have a point, at least as far as that goes. Now, that doesn't mean that we, we take out all celebrating, but we, as Lutherans, we would want to rightly orient our celebrating. Right. Right. Well, and so, as, I mean, as, as you point out, you know, let's, let's draw the comparison then between their, you know, what was happening with Christmas then with the partying, with the, the general rowdiness, and maybe, say, the secularization of Christmas today. Because I think mm -hmm. that would be a very... A, a good thing to draw out and really just kind of expand on. Yeah. I mean, cause if you think about it, especially if you look at the way that it, uh, Christmas is often portrayed in the media or that is portrayed in general society, you know, it does kind of take on this very secular, like let's go to the Christmas party. Let's sing these Christmas songs that everyone can sing that kind of a thing. I mean, mm -hmm. is that the spirit of Christmas? Is that the point of why we should celebrate Christmas? Right. What would you What would you say to that? I would actually say yes and no. I mean, obviously, the big answer is no. 
because it's the Christ Mass. We're celebrating the birth of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Now, as far as American culture goes, these things, whether right or wrong, are just part of it. So Wham's Last Christmas is unfortunately a part of the tradition now. The one, the song they did for Africa is unfortunately a part of Christmas now. There are probably some good blends of it. I don't know. Maybe the Peanuts Christmas special, you know, <laughs> threads that needle pretty well. But they are part of our Christmas tradition as Americans now. And, uh, you know, can we strike a balance between a healthy enjoyment of those and not losing focus? I think yes. But if we're being honest, there really isn't a balance. Anytime you're, anytime you're having to say, hey, you're going to come to church on Christmas and people go, well, no, because it's Christmas, then we're not striking the right balance here. Right. Right. And is that and is that what's happening? So in other words, we kind of have, I don't know if you want to say almost the opposite. No, I don't know. Maybe it's because the Puritans don't want to celebrate Christmas at all, and they're finding anyone for celebrating it. Correct. But now we're kind of in the opposite situation where people almost don't want to celebrate it. Right. You know and, what I mean? You know, but see, this is what happens. And this is the unintended consequences of Puritanism. You strip the holy un- unintentionally out of everything to where you basically have a very compartmentalized calendar. Sure. And so your time isn't quite as oriented. Now, that's unfair to the Puritans in this way because, yes, I understand they stress uh, prayer of the heart continuously and things like that. I, I, I know that. But people aren't really wired that way. People actually do need that sense of holy time, holy space. And God knows that because God in the Bible institutes a calendar, at least in the Old Testament. We have to agree with that. There's no getting around that. And he institutes sacred spaces, sacred rituals, because that is apparently how man is made. And so a lot of our worship wars, for example, is a result of the Puritans because it's a tempering of their position. It's actually a tempering of the regulative principle because the regular principle of worship, as I mentioned before, for the Reformed is whatever is prescribed, we can do. And they try to say, well, the normative principle is the opposite, and that means if it's not forbidden, we can do it. But that's not going to be okay either. But they're two sides of the same coin. Uh, what do what has God instituted is question number one. And then what do men need? And we need to lean on the wisdom of our forefathers there and understand that. Sure. So, so sure. that, so that I would say that the unintended consequences of Puritanism, it's kind of like Quakerism. They tried to do prison reform, and it's left us with the disastrous uh, prison system that we have today. Didn't intend it to be that way, but they did, and it's all their fault. It's the Quakers' fault and the private industry's fault. I get it. So, unintended consequences of Puritanism, and Puritanism, what it does is it sets every, it allows every individual man to be the judge of what is meat, right, and salutary. Now, that sounds good to a degree, because every man should have liberty of conscience and so on. But it has led to a compartmentalization and an individualization of religion that has led to, A, our worship wars. Well, it's all negotiable. It doesn't matter. Everybody should be able to do what they want. And... It's also led to the destruction of Christmas because of that. Well, I'm free not to go to church. And it's true. You're free not to. You're free not to pray. You're free not to fast. You're free to do all of this. God God will let you. But is it is it really good for you is the question. Uh, and so the Puritan gives birth to the libertarian. And really Satan gave birth to that at the beginning. So You're, you're just coming out swinging today. Yes, yes. <laughs> Everybody thought it was going to be a very pro-Puritan episode, and we've had we've had enough of those. But well, we have to speak into our own time, and and the Puritans, at least as far as the excesses of Christmas, probably did have a point. They were wrong on the mass part, but they were probably right on the uh, on the debauched part. Well, okay, so if if we're going at this from, <laughs> although I don't know if I would I would draw the line to say from Puritan to libertarian. I think I might push back against that one. But well, you're welcome to, but I. I just, I see the fruit of it there because it led to our system of government, which led to. Yeah, but at the same time, Puritanism doesn't really hold on. I mean, in its purest form for more than a generation or two. Yeah, it's true. It's true. But I just think the spirit of that. Now, 
does the Enlightenment spring up separately? Yes, but does the Enlightenment spring up apart from the Reformation's more radical side? No. So, you know, you could play. We can go round and round on this game, I suppose. <laughs> but yeah, you're right because I really I think you're right about the just a couple of generations. You know, they want to call people like Spurgeon Puritans or even Ryle Puritan, and I just that's sort of ah historic to me. I think so too. Like they, well, they're, even, they're they're Puritans in a sympathetic way, but they're not the actual not, Puritans. Yeah, they're not strictly speaking Puritans. I mean, it's like saying Martin Lloyd Jones is the last Puritan. Well, okay, but again, it's more of a sympathetic thing just because he was, you know, so heavily involved with with their thought. Yes, but I, I guess the, the what I what I'm trying to get at here is that yes, there are some things that are problematic about. Puritans and about what they have done, perhaps even in the way that they shaped the the outlook of the society. But I just don't know if I want to draw a one-to-one correlation between Puritans to, I don't know, whatever we're doing today, because there's there's too much time in between then and now and too many other influences in place that have led to the increasing secularization of Christmas. Well, I mean... Think of it this way: they they were the first to take away the days off. They right. were the, uh, among you know the reformed are among the first to have this quote unquote Protestant work ethic, which does build our country, but also, and I do believe this, between uh, our other banking slave master class and the taking away of days off, it's destroyed the principle of the Sabbath. It has made men uh, simply slaves to their employers. So I mean, it all kind of measure, is measured out from this. This you know this idea that uh oh I'm going to take a I'm going to take Christmas Day off. Nope, you're going to be fine if you if I don't see you working on it. It, it, it is it is a lot like the modern um, workplace environment. Yeah, but at the same time, would you have them just say, well, this is what we believe, but you can do whatever because that's also led to the mess that we're in today. No, I'm, but, but I'm saying that, that that's exactly what I'm saying, that, that that attitude led to this. Because once you say, well, for conscience reasons, we can't make people observe this, or to do the Puritan way, for conscience reasons, you can't observe it, no matter what, then you've already said, okay, here, we, we've taken the holy out of every other day, except for Sunday. And there it is. So, the, so is it any surprise then that that would lead to a thinking of, well, as long as I get my <clears throat> one holy day of obligation in, I'm good. And I suppose we could blame Catholicism for that for that idea. We could blame everybody, but ultimately, the blame's on ourselves, of course. But I do believe that because of liberty and stuff like that, that is why we're in the attitude today of, you know, Christmas being just another day, right. And I won't deny that. But is it fair to blame the Puritans? That's what we're... And I'm not yeah. saying complete, completely blame them. But once you've robbed people of the idea of holy time and holy places, then I think... Well, but is it... And maybe this is something for the next segment. Is it holy time? And I suppose this is, again, getting into the regulative normative principle sort of thing. You know, what constitutes holy time? Right. And, and, and you know, Paul says not to judge people. One esteems one day over another. Right. Completely agree. But again, it goes back to the wisdom of the church. What is good for people? What would we counsel people to do as pastors? Because that's our job. And I would never counsel someone to go, oh, well, don't worry about it. God doesn't care. Because you cannot have it both ways. You cannot go around going, remember the reason for the season. We're very committed. And then when it comes time to gather around and celebrate that, to absent yourself. Now, whether you think Christmas Eve counts as that or not, but... This isn't condemning someone per se. It's just simply saying, let's be consistent in our attitudes here. Right. That moment when we're actually having a real debate on word fitly. I don't, <laughs> I don't know what to make. I don't know what to make of this. Zoan just saying he doesn't want you to come to church on Sunday because it's because it's Christmas. <laughs> and that and that's when this episode's going to end in an actual fist fight. But let's, let's right. Let's... I mean, and I'm saying you have to come to church on the feast day of that dog-headed guy. So with that, we're you know we're at an impasse here, and with that we've got to take our first break. We'll be right back with more work at least spoken right after this.
Welcome back, everyone. You are listening to A Word Fitly Spoken. I'm Willie Grills here with Zelwyn Heidi. We're talking about Christmas, Holy Days, Puritans, and all that fun stuff. All right, Zelwyn, so where are we? Let's, let's pick up where we left off a little bit. You wanted to keep talking about holy time. So take it yeah. away, my friend. I, I think, I think the, the helpful thing to do here is to determine what we mean exactly as Lutherans or as the, what the Bible means by holy time, because I think that's kind of the, the, the heart of the debate, right? Because I don't, no Puritan, I think, would ever deny that God prescribed certain things, especially in the Old Testament. He would simply say that such things came to an end in Christ, mm-hmm. which we would also agree with, right? We don't celebrate the Passover because the Passover has been fulfilled. It's come to its end. Correct. But are, are there New Testament equivalents to the Old Testament feasts? Are there things in the time of the New Testament in which we live that we as Christians are supposed to observe? Are there, right. I mean, besides Sunday, or are there things that we can observe? I mean, again, this is this is the heart of the debate, right? Sure. And one, we need to do a why you shouldn't do a Passover Seder episode, but I don't think the internet's ready for that yet. So here's the thing. It all comes back to Christian liberty, what you are free to do and what not to do. Right. Not bind your consciences to come to church on Christmas. Right. That's not what I'm trying to do. What I'm trying to say is, if if you want to say that it, we need to keep Christ in Christmas, it is a Christian holiday, but then your observance of it is 100% dedicated to secular, family-only activities, then your sense of holy time is skewed. And if we do not in some way celebrate that day with Christ in mind, at least in some sense, then we've missed the boat. It's what I should have said in a more measured way in the last segment. They've all turned it off their radios now, or turned off their whatevers now. (laughs) We need to emphasize and offer worship services, even if it's just a prayer office, on holy days for any number of reasons. In our time, it is for the sake of the Christian relearning or perhaps learning for the first time uh, what these festivals mean and how beneficial it is to find fellowship, sacrament, worship outside of Sunday so that they might have a taste of what is holy Monday through Saturday as well. That's fair. Worship goes. Yeah. Well, but and I'm right on board with you with that. Let me... Posit this question, though. Okay. What do we do with, you know, why should we observe these things? You know, why can't I just, say, institute my own holy day, for one thing, if I'm trying to redeem the time in that way? You know, so who determines what makes it holy time? And then maybe in a similar kind of vein, what about, you know, do I... Do I need to take them all in their totality? Do I need to observe all of the saints' days, for example? Can I pick and choose? You know, at what point does this, and I mean, again, you're, you're quite right, this, this helpfulness with redeeming time and recovering a sense of the holy, but how do we do that in view of, you know, what we have? Is it kind of an all or nothing? Yeah. Is it, you know, what do we do with it? You know, so Paul is going to say, you know, don't judge one person seems one day over another. He's also going to say, stand firm and cling to the traditions we taught you, whether by speech or by a letter. And Lutherans today, when they are seeking to come up with a reason why they don't want to do something churchly, they'll try to appeal to, you know, I'm free to do what I want. But Mm -hmm. also at the heart of Lutheran Reformation is clinging to what was handed down. We end up with a version of Sola Scriptura that's not healthy uh, when we say that what we do isn't at least in some sense formed by what was handed down. That's our, our worship is an example of that. Sure. So again, yeah, where do you draw the line? You know, that's not an e- easy one for a Protestant to, to say you could, you could say you're not obligated to observe any of them, which is probably the right answer. But again, you're not obligated to do a lot of things that, that, that are good for you that you should be doing. Sure. So no, it's not every necessarily every saint day, nor has that ever been obligatory for every Christian throughout church history. 
But I think at the very least, you start with the major feast days, Christmas, Epiphany, um, and Easter. Three times a year. <laughs> sure. We'll, we'll go with that. Uh, and we're not talking about Christmas uh, and Easter only Christians. That's another That's another thing. That's kind of a, the inverse of this problem to where they see Christmas and Easter as super duper holy. So they never show up any other days. Right. Which is not really what's going on, but that's how it's portrayed. Well, it's, it's, it's similar to confirmation in the way that it's often approached, right? Yes. You know, confirmation is this super duper holy thing that as long as you go through it, you're, you're the the Christian that, you know, you, you didn't have to be for the previous, however many years of your life kind of. Well, yeah. Speaking of things that are not in the Bible (laughs) and that we bind. Yeah. Well, that's, that's actually an excellent example. That's something that we bind people's consciences on that we shouldn't. Sure. Uh, because that's not a sacrament. And the w- I don't want to get into our early communion debate again, Zelwyn, but I know we agree at least on this, that giving uh, kids basically no faith until they're in their teens is silly. Right. right. Um, it's, it's not good. And yet we think, oh, we've got to have the magic confirmation and that'll fix them. Now, to that point, I don't believe that just attending every church service fixes you either if you're not rightly disposed to what's happening there, of course. So if you're going to go to Christmas just kind of begrudgingly, you know, okay, then you're not going to get anything out of it. I get that. But it's more about, you know, although it sounds like a discussion of, you know, time alone, but it's actually a discussion of one's inward disposition and how the inward disposition gives birth to the outward. So if your inward disposition is inclined toward the worship of God and to the observing of these holy days, which are celebrations of Christ's victory, then that will be borne out in your attending the service that is commemorating them. Well, how do we, how do we draw a distinction between Christmas and confirmation then? Because Fair. both of them are not commanded explicitly. And both of them are intended for ostensibly good reasons, uh, but both can be abused. So how do we how do we distinguish between them? Okay, yeah, uh, fair. Well, one, uh, the Christmas story is in the Bible. Uh, <laughs> fair, <laughs> and 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 people were um, people were uh, Christians rather were observing that in the very in the early days of the church. So we know since the early days that they have been even before these pagans tried to co-opt the feast day, because that's the order it actually happened in, right? that that Christians were observing it. So much like everybody gets sentimental when it's like, well, every third, you know, Saturday in July, we go up to the, to the fishing cabin and we would never, never miss that because it's very important to, you know, the, the Jones family or the Smith family or whatever. Okay, they understand that there are certain things that are handed down that are good and that if you don't attend... Uncle Jerry is really going to get on to you about it, and he probably should. Okay, right. so they humans instinctively <clears throat> understand that. It's the incarnation, and the church has said, you need to know about this. Now, could you preach about it on Tuesday in April? I suppose you could, but it's just like with Sunday worship. This is, what, this is the Lord's Day. This is what the church has universally agreed upon, because we can play that game with Sunday, too, if we want to. I wouldn't personally make that biblical case, but you can, and some Lutherans have. So there is a point to where people just have to, by a gut, go, no, that, yeah, you're right, or you're wrong. And that's kind of where we're at here. And I think we just need more of, instead of like trying to go into sophistry, just go, look, you know you need to be in church on Sunday, so because that's when church is, so go. <laughs> But I can I can watch church on my smartphone. <laughs> right. I I can just pick one other day in seven. Well, you can, but we're not all gathered together on it, so it doesn't count. There you go. <laughs> forsake not forsake not the meeting of the brethren would actually apply to days other than Sunday as well. But but see but see what we're doing, Zelen, is we're getting into the argument that the libertarian wants you to get into, the Thelemite wants you to get into. Which is, why do I have to do anything? Why do I have to do anything? Just because you should. You know, yeah, you can do what you want, and that's the point. This is what you should want to do. (laughs) 
You should want to worship when it's offered. You should want to receive the sacrament when it's offered. You should want to come together and sing Christmas songs celebrating the birth of your Savior. Like, the problem is when you don't want to, that's not the church's problem. That's a you problem. <laughs> so you're saying that the, the Puritan problem is a you problem? Is that is that really what this is coming down to here? Yeah, and I think they would agree with that, too. Uh, they would just, you know, take things a little bit too far. They, I mean, if, the, if their whole point is, hey, you as a people have a problem with drinking too much on uh, on holy days, so our fix is to get rid of holy days so that you'll stop behaving badly. They recognize there's a lot of personal problems going on. Well, okay, so let's... But if, if we're looking at terms of this is what the church has always done, and we think that this is a good thing to do, which it is, okay? Uh, but how do we... I mean, how do we make that case? I know that this is still... This is still kind of libertarian speak. I get that, but it's unavoidable in our American context. We can't get away from these questions. And well, so here's how I'll answer it in an American context. You you can literally do anything that you want to do on any day that you want, as long as it's not have certain opinions and tweet certain things. Um, but in theory, you're allowed to associate with whomever you want. Right. Attend whichever church you want. Now, you're free to do that. So that means the ball is in your court. And so it's going to be you deciding, assuming your church offers a service every Sunday, assuming they offer certain services on other days. If they're offered, now it's in your court. And you need to make the decision for yourself what is important and what you need. Now, can we condemn someone because they miss a Sunday or they miss a special Christmas observance. No, but we do begin to, when people absent themselves completely from worship, of course, that is that, that merits things like church discipline. But before church discipline would be administered, people's personal discipline is what is what's lacking. So we're not going to discipline someone for missing the Christmas service. That wouldn't be right. We couldn't in, do, in good conscience do that. However, we know that it would be good for them if they did attend, and so we encourage them to attend. Not under, not in an obligatory sense, like we're like we're enforcing a law like the Puritans, but that we are offering an opportunity to come together and, in this particular case, celebrate the birth of our Savior. And we should encourage them that that's a good thing to observe, that you are free to observe it, and that you should come, come and worship. But we don't need to always end it with "but you're free not to" either. Because that's that's like the worst version of law and gospel. That's why our sermons are so stilted, because we set something good up and then completely pull the rug out from under it. People know that they're free not to. That's why they don't come. Well, yeah, I mean, license and freedom have always been an issue, right? Even in the New Testament, it's an issue. Mm -hmm. I mean, look at yes. the Corinthians, because they're they're dealing with all kinds of license and what they believe. I mean, even even First Corinthians 6 with, you know, sexual license. You know, they, yeah. this idea of freedom as a Christian has always been a question in the yeah. church. We can't right. deny and, that. And what certain ears are going to hear me saying is, if I don't see you this Sunday or, or any Sunday, I'm going to like throw you out of the church or something. That's of course not what we're saying. We're talking about the general principle of, you know, Christmas Day worship and the regular pattern of attending church. Sometimes people are not going to be able to make it. Sometimes people are legitimately not able to attend for various reasons. We're not talking about that. We're talking about those who willfully say, I don't need to do this. And then right. to make the biblical case of, well, yeah, the Bible doesn't tell me I have to. Well, they, they say the same argument for Sunday. And if I and I hear more and more, you know, well, you don't have to go to church to be a Christian, which is not biblical by any stretch of the imagination. Right. We need kind of a correction, a course correction. And I think it begins with, I think it begins with, you know, reminding people of why we worship and how good it is to be here and encouraging them because you're free to worship. Okay. Well, let's, let's take this a little bit different direction then, because we still want to make sure that we have this clear. So we understand, you know, gathering together why we should, what do we do in the situation where let's say uh, we have the desire to gather together, but it's simply not offered. Like what if we go to a church that cancels on Christmas 
and we don't agree with that? You know, what do we do in that situation? Or at what point do we say, you know, can we take it too far in the other direction? Say like, you know, I want to observe all of these things, even if my local parish for whatever reason isn't, you know, I want to, I want to observe the dog headed saints days, but no one else wants to do it with me kind of a thing. Can we take it too far in the other direction? Yes, you can take it too far in the other direction, but rarely is that the case, of course. Well, okay, yes. And you're welcome welcome in private devotion. Yeah, you know, if you're a, by virtue of being a liturgical church and a church that has maintained the church calendar, we have already conceded that there are certain things handed down to us that we, that we should observe. Right. Okay. So you're, you're already part of a fellowship that, that agrees with that, that we maintain the traditional feast days because of the lessons that they teach, so on and so forth. So what do you do? What do you do when you find a church that, that doesn't, maybe you go find a church that does and worship with them that day. Now, if you're not able to, you're just not able to. I mean, if, if the pastor says, Hey, we're not having a Christmas day service or, however your church government functions and there's no other church around. Yeah. You are just stuck, but you can keep Christmas in your heart. You can celebrate in your home and it's, it would be fine because that's not on you in that case. There's just no opportunity for corporate worship. That's not your fault. But I, I would argue that we should encourage people, especially when it falls on a Sunday to keep their churches open and, right, uh, right. and to be there. But we, we understand we are not Puritan in this sense. Um, we do take from and preserve what was handed down to us. The Augsburg Confession and the Apology are very clear on that. And so I would actually argue that to... Now, now we took away certain things where there were abuses, like Corpus Christi, things like that. There are things that we don't observe because they're not in accord with biblical practices. But where we can preserve them and maintain biblical integrity, we have traditionally retained them. And we are to honor our fathers and mothers. And so... In the church's wisdom, they have preserved these feasts and festivals for our benefit. And so we ought to be to be holding on to them. Again, free to do it, free not to do it, but balls in your court. And I guess, no, you're, you're absolutely right. And I agree with what you said. I guess I'm just thinking of a situation where you do see it. I mean, it's not common, but you do see it mm-hmm. where uh, someone goes so far in let's say a pious direction, they want to do all of these things that maybe they even start to hold the gathering of the saints in a little bit of contempt because it's not, it's not up to their idea of what it should be. It's not up to, I, I don't know what to call yeah, it standards. And, and, well, and you, you know see that in, 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 in liturgical churches and puritanical churches as well. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. Because they're both striving after their version of pure worship and if it's not pure enough, they're just going to completely absent themselves from fellowship, which right. is not the right way. Yeah, and you and you get that a lot of well, the, you know, they're not kissing the feet of this statue, so that's some kind of sub sub Lutheran thing, okay? Or the Puritan will be will say, "Uh oh, I saw a Christmas ornament across the street from this church, so clearly it's the whore of Babylon." And <laughs> yeah, need, and so I will absent myself from them. Neither of those are the are the healthiest. And yeah, look, yeah. your church is going to dissatisfy you in certain ways. That's just what's going to happen. But nevertheless, it is the place that, that you need to be. Indeed. We can agree right. on that. <laughs> we can agree. All right. <laughs> We've got to take another break. We'll be right back with more Word Fitly Spoken right after this.
Welcome back, everyone. You are listening to A Word Fitly Spoken. I'm Willie Grills here with Zoe and Heidi, and we're talking about Christmas. Now, it sounds a lot like Zoe and I are disagreeing a lot. We're really not. We're just, you know, having this kind of fun debate out here uh, in the open. But we would both agree that we should celebrate Christmas. I mean, Zelwyn observes more feast days than I do. But you know why? Because it was passed down to him from his predecessor, and probably from his predecessor or something like that. So he's doing, he, he's more on my side in his observance than I'm on his side, you know? Uh, yeah, exactly. But, <laughs> so let's see if I get the wrong idea. Now, that said, uh, it is good to get together with family. We just want you to get together with family uh, at church. And then after that service or before that service or whatever, you know, you're going to come together. It's good to have to feast and to make merry and to keep the quote unquote spirit of Christmas because Christ has come to bring, you know, to bring reconciliation and peace and, uh, you know, peace on earth, goodwill toward men kind of peace. Jesus also says, I've not come with peace with the sword, but context, this is Christmas. Um, and so, uh, there is certainly a joyous uh, time to be had. And so don't take away from this discussion that we're saying, just uh, sit and don't even so much as, you know, roll a ball on uh, a holy day or it's a sin. Because that's what people can hear too. And that's not it either. It is a time to feast. It is a time to make merry. You know, be, you know, have your wits about you, of course. Don't, you know, m- make a Puritan scandalized by going to church, not by getting drunk. Okay. Exactly. <laughs> so, exactly. Well, and and it and really does come down to, you know, we do keep these things because like you said, they are good for us and it's also good for us to enjoy the the holy time which we have together. You know, I mean, I know we always make a big deal out of like, you know, keeping Christmas hymns in the Christmas season proper and I get why where that comes from. I guess my the way I look at it is, is, you know, we have a lot of good Advent hymns, so we should sing those too. But the point is, is that people do gravitate towards these things because they do find a joy in them. And there's nothing wrong with that joy, especially in a time of Christmas. Because, I mean, what can be more joyful than our Savior having been born to save us? You know, he, mm-hmm. he was born of the Virgin so that we would be delivered from the darkness of our sins. That is something worth rejoicing over. It is something that we just need to keep in mind, which I think is the, I guess, the danger that it might get swallowed up in all of, in everything else, right? Yeah. Yeah. And and so we just don't want that loss. Like if you must sing, listen to Mariah Carey, I guess, but don't forget to do the good stuff too. Of course, that's only been a I don't know, that Mariah Carey song's only been a Christmas song for, what, a decade? Or is it older than that? It's got to be. Zelman, we're old heads now. That, that song's got to be 25 years old by now. Yeah, I know. I know we're like, hello, fellow Zoomers, but... <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it's, it's all good, though. Well, what about you, Willie? What are, what are your... Let's, let's end this on extremely wholesome posting. Uh, what, are, what are your plans and intentions for the observance of Christmas? Um, by the way, I just feel the need to point out that at the recording of this episode, the song is actually near 30 years. It's about 28 years for that song. 1994. Really? We were just learning who the Green Ranger was. Oh, man. I mean, we're we're like as boringly uh, American Christmas as we can get. It'll be uh, every year it's the debate of do we do presents before or after church? And then after church, it's, you know, we, we go, we attend church, Christmas Eve and Christmas. Of course, we're pastors, so you and I are pastors. Obviously, my family's right. not pastors. Uh, <laughs> but You believe um, in child ordination, I know. It's okay. <laughs> right. But my, my priesthood of all believers. Uh, <laughs> anyway, so, and then, uh, you know, the last few years, as far as the Christmas dinner has gone, um, I experimented with goose because I was kind of LARPing, kind of a Dickens thing there for too long. And realize that I just uh, I'm not good at that, uh, but the uh, the prime rib uh, roast, the standing rib roast, has become Excellent. part of that tradition. And I'm Excellent. proud to say, as that's becoming more popular, the price is going down on it. So, prime rib, you mean? Uh, yeah, the the standing roast. Yeah. Oh, gotcha. Yeah, yeah. How about you? Oh, we have. Uh, I mean, we're we're gonna kind of have a little bit of a different Christmas this year because we're dealing with some illnesses, but. 
typically I would say, you know, we, we of course go to church and uh, we, we celebrate all of that. Um, our presents usually get opened on Christmas Eve. Um, that's kind of been the, the tradition that we've started. I know growing up, I think we always did it on Christmas Day, but it doesn't ultimately matter all that much when you open your presents. Well, as a as what they call a child of divorce, uh, I got the uh, I got the two Christmases style. So I got Christmas Eve with one and Christmas Day with the other. <laughs> a, so a I'm experienced in both. <laughs> so and then and then as far as the uh, the feasting goes, I mean, I don't know if we have a traditional meal. I suppose we might have a turkey this year. We had uh, quite a few turkeys left over from gifts from Thanksgiving and other times. I think well, we have three cool. in the freezer right now. There you go. Uh, so, <laughs> so we might. Gonna, so naturally, you're roasting all three. <laughs> and eating all three. Right. <laughs> one for me, one for mama, and one for the kids. That's there you go. It That's all right? you need. That's all you need. You'll be on TLC before you know it. <laughs> But that, but the, yeah, that's that's really what we're going to be doing with our time on Christmas as well. Well, and it uh, is nice to just, you know, now it's done. You you've done the secular stuff, which can sometimes be more exhausting than the church stuff. We don't admit it, um, you know. And that's the thing. A lot of people, they're like, it's just they see the church at Christmas Eve or Christmas as one more thing they have to do because they are so stressed out with the obligations of the holidays. And sure. Jesus is saying, just come to my house and worship. It's free. You know, and I'm going to give you something, he says. Come to me, all who are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. See, nobody made it through segments one and two for the wholesome Christmas posting. They just got the, they just got me, I just alienated the entire libertarian audience, and I'm sorry. Are you, though? uh, Not really. I'm objectively not sorry. Get it? Anyway, so um, we won't be doing any sleigh riding or anything here uh, because there will be no snow, most likely. And and this will be, you know, my my boys are still not used to that. And so they're like, hey, why hasn't it snowed yet? I'm like, here's a globe, son. I don't know what to tell you. (laughs) You're too far south for snow. Right. It will (laughs) snow eventually, but it won't last long. And meanwhile, I think we just got a new skiff of snow overnight, so... This has been an exceptionally good year for for snow for North Dakota. Yeah. Well, and I will say this year has been particularly odd as it seems like there's just a lot of people sick right now. Sure. And so I hate that. I hate when people are sick. I mean, obviously you care for them and it's a terrible time for people to get sick because most of your members and most of your Christians want to be at the worship services. They want to be there in the house of the Lord and they want to be with their families too. And now because flu is going around and other stuff, they're not able to, and so we gotta we gotta pray more for those people this time of the year because it's going to be you know much harder on them. Yeah, yeah, and I know that, like you say, there are times when we simply just cannot gather together because of illness or whatever it may be, and that can be very difficult too. But we do find consolation in knowing that you know that the Lord will still give us other opportunities. You know. Christmas is important, but, you know, if we miss Christmas because of illness or something, you know, <laughs> it's not it's not like our Christianity is in question. Let's put it that way. Yeah, exactly. You know what I mean? Exactly. So, yeah, I mean, things are going to, things are absolutely going to happen. So, yeah, I mean, you know, that's kind of what we'll do, uh, you know, pretty laid back and normal, Lord willing, unless the Lord tarries, or if the Lord doesn't tarry, rather. If the Lord shows up, then we'll just be with him. So, but yeah, it, it's every few years when Christmas falls on a Sunday, this debate's going to come up, and you know here we are. You know, we didn't talk about the the places that are making um, you know these big spectacles out of it. You know, that probably robs Christ of His glory too. But that's a discussion for another time. Well, what do you mean by spectacles? Like spectacles of Christmas or spectacles of not having church? Uh, Christmas spectacles. We'll say productions and pageants that. Uh, we'll say the Christ child is not the center of, or even his mother or something like that, but it looks like something out of Mad Max or something or something out of Broadway. You know that? Mad Max. <laughs> yeah. I, I, like the road or no, I'm just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's coming. That's coming after inflation. So, yeah. So what else should we talk about? Zolan? 
No, I I think we've kind of hit everything that we need to talk about. We'd love to hear from Word Fitly Nation too if you want to post about what you guys are doing for Christmas and let us know what your plans are, you know, what everything that is is happening, you know, that would be that'd be a great thing to hear. Yeah, yeah, let us know. We want to know how you celebrate the holiday and uh you know and uh hopefully your local Lutheran church since most of you are good and faithful Lutherans listening to us, hopefully it's doors are open and you're able to uh, enter through them. Yeah. And I pray that uh, your Christmas will be joyful, that it will be a holy celebration, that it will be, you know, a something that will build you up in the faith. Because ultimately right. that is the the point of, of holy days, of, of holy time, right? To, to build us up into life eternal. Right. And so, our Christmas gift to you is, the episode's going to end just a little bit early this time. So, Zelwyn, thank you. Merry Christmas. And, uh, you know, Merry Christmas to everyone uh, in the Word Fitly nation. This has been a Word Fitly Spoken. If you like what you heard and want to know more, check us out. Wordfitlyspoken.org, facebook.com slash wordfitly, or Twitter, at wordfitly. I'm Willie Grills here with Zelwyn Heidi. God love you, and God bless.